The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. So it's another one of those nights where a long reliever is our player of the game on Clubhouse Conversation. Seems as though we've had way too many of these nights this year. It's Davo, and we really haven't in reality. Every team goes through, you know, 15, 20 games like this, although not this bad, obviously. Not where you have an historically bad start from your starting pitcher. Literally could be the worst in Major League history. We'll detail that coming up here with Davo on your dish. Glad you are along. Yeah, we're going to go over this game. We'll talk about just how bad Ensign Volquez was tonight. My concern with the starting rotation. And obviously, we'll go over the next two, where hopefully there are bluer skies on the horizon. Not all is lost. It only counts as one loss. But man, getting your brains beat in like that is not good. Our player of the game, will start there. It's Brian Flynn. And again, that's, I believe, the fifth time this year that I've chosen a long reliever as a player of the game. Three of them were Dylan G, back before he became a starter, early portions of the season. So fourth or fifth time that you've had a long reliever as your player of the game and you're not even halfway through the season yet, only 72 games in, that's not good. And what does Brian Flynn get for saving the bullpen? (laughs) He will get a ticket back to Omaha tomorrow, without a doubt, as he's now unavailable for a few days. And the Royals already down one pitcher, one player on the roster, thanks to your Donna Ventura's antics in Baltimore. So for a few more days, the Royals are playing with 24. There's no way they can play with 23, especially with Chris Young going tomorrow, who could blow up and as early as the third, fourth, fifth inning. You've got to have some more protection out there because you burned Dylan G for three innings tonight, too. You don't have too many long arms out there. So there will be a roster move. I'm sure Flynn goes down for another arm. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Alex Gordon because he'll be activated tomorrow. What do the Royals do there? Who goes down? Do you send Brett Eibner back down even though he's been hitting another double tonight? Continues to swing the bat really well. A couple knocks. Seems like he hits every day, although be it very small sample size, about 10 games. But... Do you send him down knowing that you've got Alex and Kane and left and center, and then you've still got Paulo, you know, who would be number one for the league batting title if he had enough at bat? So you're obviously playing Paulo every day, and you're not getting rid of Dyson, who doesn't have any options left. So Dyson's here. So really, it leaves almost Eibner as the odd man out right now, I feel like, when Alex comes off. Royals could send another arm down, I suppose, a Peter Moylan type. But then again, Moylan didn't pitch tonight, so he'd be fresh tomorrow. So I don't know. I think the Royals have to make a move with Brian Flynn. You can't keep him up here for three days, and Dylan G is not going to be available for two days. You're going to have to make a move to get an arm, obviously. Down one arm with Chris Young going. So I have to think Flynn's going down, no matter what. And then you wonder, when Gordon comes off, because he will be in the lineup tomorrow night, and most likely, I think, hitting second. I think Ned Yost will shake up the lineup, which is a good thing, because while Eski hit his first home run of the year, he has been awful offensively this year. And you've got to get him out of that two-hole. Eski hitting in the 7-8-9 hole is fine. But it's just not working right now. And you've got Merrifield solidifying the lineup at the top. How nice would it be? Merrifield right, Gordon left, Kane right, Hosmer left, Morales switch, Salvi right, and then your seven eight nine. You go Paulo seven, and then probably uh, Chesler eighth and Escobar ninth. I mean that's a pretty good lineup. Getting Gordon back in there should solidify things. We'll see if Ned does that. I, I have a feeling he is going to put Gordon in the two hole. We'll see. But again, the, the big question is the roster. What, what happens? You have to think. I, I'm I'm going to have to go out on a limb and guess it's probably Eibner, and it's probably Flynn going down. Basically, you're, you're swapping Gordon for Eibner, and you're swiping Flynn for another arm, and then you've got 
G available again on Monday. An outside chance they could have to do the same thing again tomorrow night if they get battered enough. Hopefully they won't. Hopefully Chris Young can have a similar outing to his last time out. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with the roster moves because I would imagine there's two of them coming tomorrow. I'd love to hear your thoughts, by the way. At Royals Clubhouse, if you have a prediction, I'd love to hear it. Give you some love on the on the show, if you're right. Clubhouse conversation on Facebook as well. Subscribe here on the site on top of that. So getting back to tonight's game. So, yeah, player of the game is Brian Flynn. Five innings, gives up just one run on two hits, strikes out five, walks two, continues to look very good. And a guy that did come up as a starter with the Marlins, if you remember, the Royals got Flynn in the Aaron Crow trade. Aaron Crow, who has not appeared in the Major League since the Royals traded him after injury issues. So Flynn, after injuries of his own last year, finally getting up to KC this year after he probably should have made the team out of spring training last year, but got caught in the roster crunch with Joe Blanton and Ryan Matson not having options. So started the year in Omaha and had the season-ending injury, but this year you know, is up here with KC and is throwing the ball really well. But has the options, so he's going up and down, which is fine because he'll, he'll be up here. By next year, Flynn should be a pretty much a mainstream if he keeps throwing the ball like this. A mainstay, I meant to say. A mainstay on this Royals roster. So 65 pitches, five innings, both Royals highs for Flynn. And like I said, a shout to Dylan G as well. Three very nice innings, no runs, four hits, two Ks, two walks. But now Edinson Volquez. <sighs> what is going on? From the first hitter tonight, George Springer missed a home run by a foot. Triple. And it's just bam, 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 hard hit ball, hard hit ball. And there was the pop-up. With Escobar and Eibner, where that ball had to be caught, ends up being an error and ends up probably allowing a few more runs. I mean, I don't think Volquez would have been historically bad had that play been made as in giving up the 11 earned runs in one plus inning. He still would have been very bad. He might have gone two and a third and given up seven or eight runs or four innings, given up nine runs. But I think no matter what, this was not going to end well. But certainly that misplay did not help things out in that first inning off the bat of Evan Gaddis. And yeah, overall, the line for Volquez is... Potentially the worst in Major League history. That's not an exaggeration. We'll elaborate here in a second. But one plus inning, 11 earned on eight hits by Volquez. Three Ks, no walks. Volquez's ERA jumps. That's not right. Three walks, no Ks. <laughs> Let's make sure we get that right. No Ks, three walks. My bad on that. Man, so many numbers here. But Volquez's ERA jumps from 4.12 coming in, right? So 4.12 is still on the upper edge of good knowing that he eats innings and, and why the Royals have him. That's on the upper edge of good. You'd like to see Volquez more in the 3.75, 3.8 range, realistically. But from 4.12 to 5.15, and make no mistake about it, this is the kind of game that ruins your season stats. Spoke with Jeremy Guthrie right after his game last year at Yankee Stadium, where he gave up a, a not quite as bad, but I think it was seven runs in the first inning of that one. And he told me right after, he said, you know, the worst part about this is that I let my team down, Dave. But second of all, you know, from a statistical standpoint, my season's done. You know, my, my numbers now will never fully recover from this. And that's what's going to happen with Volquez. I mean, when you go down, I mean, you're, you're coming up on the halfway, well, I think he has two more starts till we're at the halfway point of the season for him. And your ERA is 5-1-5. That's tough to recover from. To get that down to under 4 is going to take a, a minor miracle at this point. And that's that's what's too bad about this, especially with Eddie most likely entering free agency this winter. You know, Because I love him. He's done so much with the Royals, especially last year. And I still think there's plenty to come from Volquez. But you've got to be a bit worried with things recently. But tonight's start, 11 earned run, 12 runs overall, a minus 18 game score which is the 15th worst of all time, right? But this is the first start in Major League history where 12 runs were allowed in one inning or less. 11 of them were earned, 
It feels silly trying to justify it by saying one was unearned, right, when you're, when you're at that point. But 12 runs, the fact that there was 12 scored is the worst in Major League history in one inning. 11 were earned. The problem is, of the 10 game scores that are that bad, where Royals, where guys have given up that many runs and that short of an outing, the Royals own five of the worst 10 in modern baseball history, going back to the 20s. Tom Gordon had one. That was back in 95, is that right? Was he here in 95? I think, I think it's a 95. Don't remember him being here that late. That might be wrong. Could be 93. But Tom Gordon had one. Luke Hudson. Poor guy had one very end of his career. We interviewed him here, here on Clubhouse Conversation. You can hear that interview and talk, hear him talk about that start, actually. Very, very uh, in-depth about it. Very blunt about it here on ClubhouseConversation.com. He was going through an injury. You can hear that interview. Jeremy Guthrie, you can hear, hear from him on this site. Brian Bannister, you can also hear from here, him on this site. That's not a good sign, is it? All these guys have been on this site. Yikes, right? Hudson, Guthrie, Bannister, Gordon, and now Volquez. Five of the worst ten starts in Major League history. No other team, I think, had more than one, obviously. The Royals have five. And as far as getting back to the roster, we spoke earlier about the roster moves coming tomorrow. There's no doubt the Royals need another starting pitcher. I keep, you know, you keep reading the rumors that John Jay is coming over, the outfielder. The Royals don't need an outfielder. That's the last thing they need. Assuming Gordon and Kane are healthy, you've got Orlando. And if that doesn't work out, you've still got Dyson, you've still got Eibner, and you've still got Fuentes. Hell, you could put Merrifield out there in a pinch. The Royals have absolutely no use for another outfielder. And you can make the argument, well, if Morales struggles, you can move one of those outfield bats to DH or make a trade for a DH. Touche. But at this point, you're not making a move because Kendrys has been showing signs of hitting the ball lately. And again tonight, the, the guy's – I'm not one for making excuses. The guy's been smoking the ball recently and throughout the year and having no luck. I mean, it's bad, how, the, the luck he's had. I just feel like it's going to even out for Kendrys. He's not going to have anywhere close, obviously, to the season he had last year. And not a guy the Royals are going to bring back next season, most likely, unless something drastically changes here. But I don't, you're, not, you're not looking to, make, to add a bat for DH, so forget that. And if they do, again, they can move somebody else over there, like an Eibner, whoever, Orlando. You can be unconventional there or find a bat really cheap at the very last second. There's plenty of options. Other than that, you're not trading or, or moving out your gold glove shortstop. Merrifield's been hitting the cover off the ball. Salvi's a potential dark horse MVP candidate at catcher, if you look at his numbers. Hosmer. A dark, dark horse MVP candidate. Three outfielders. The only place in the diamond, I think, where the Royals need an upgrade bat-wise is third base. But then uh, Chesler Cuthbert cranks his sixth home run tonight. It's like a guy who never hit more than a dozen in the minor leagues is now all of a sudden just hitting. I mean, kind of like Merrifield. Like, I mean, is this sustainable for either of them, for both of them? We'll see. But that would be but, – but see, Cuthbert's defense is so damn good. He's way above average defensively now, which I talk about time and time again. We pound this over and over is a testament to his hard work because two, three years ago, trust me, when I saw him playing in the minor leagues, he was well below average defensively. The transformation into a well above average third baseman is phenomenal. I think Moose has a better arm, but I don't think there's that much of a drop-off otherwise. I think Cuthbert's almost – on the same level as Moose defensively. And that's that's shocking to me that I would even be thinking that, let alone saying that. So Cuthbert, I mean, if he's hitting similar to the way he's been doing, I mean, he's not going to you know crank out home runs at this rate that he has in the last 10 games. That would be the only spot where I would think the Royals might want to look to upgrade offensively, if you're talking offensively. So to me, the only place they really need to upgrade offensively is utility infielder, a guy that can you know could play third base in a pinch. A guy that's going to back up Merrifield, Escobar, and Cuthbert. Inevitably, one of those guys will get banged up or need some days off. Or that gives you another DH option, too. A guy that can hit a little bit and play those positions, namely third base. 
you know, a, a corner type guy. That's who I see the Royals getting, somebody like that, if they're going to make a move. It'll be a smaller move for the bat. Now, getting back to pitching, the Royals desperately need another starting pitcher, especially with Mike Miner sounding more and more like he may be relegated to bullpen duty the rest of the year. Chris Medlin is not too far away, but what are we going to get out of him at this point? After two major surgeries, the season's half over. You know, what? what's his inning limit? What? What's his pitch count going to be like? The Royals need some innings. They need somebody to eat some innings out there. I mean, the other option would be to go get another arm in the bullpen, another high-end arm that can give you two, three innings and just keep loading up on the bullpen and just pray for five out of your starters and that your offense can give you just enough. I don't know. Point being, as far as the roster goes and the trade talk goes, we'll talk more about this because we're about probably two weeks away from the from things really heating up when we get to about July 10th. That's when the moves start happening at a quitty, you know, a pretty quick pace. So we're still a ways away, and, and the Royals, who knows by then, things could have ironed themselves back out or they don't need to add much. Or if the Royals keep struggling and Cleveland keeps winning, the Royals could, God forbid, be sellers in a month. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm just saying it's too early to judge what's going to happen here with the, the whole trading thing. The name I do keep hearing, though, I will tell you, is Dan Straley. I've heard that from multiple people inside the org, that he is one of the guys at the top of their list, the right-hander for Cincinnati, who will be even better once he gets out of the Great American Small Park there, which is like a Little League bandbox park there in Cincinnati. Getting back to this tonight, finishing off with the offense before we preview the next two here. Royals did pretty well against Dallas Keuchel, didn't they? I mean, the entire league has, so that's not saying a lot, but the Royals did get four runs off of him in six and a third. Eleven hits, two walks, only two Ks. I mean, that's that's good. Two walks, two Ks, it's phenomenal for this team. 11 hits, four runs. You know, if you get halfway decent starting pitching, you win that game tonight. If Eddie goes his typical six and a third, four runs, five and two-thirds, three runs, seven innings, five runs, any of those, the Royals probably win this game tonight. But just couldn't get it done, even despite the first home run of the year from Eski and number six from Cuthbert. The Royals now four back of Cleveland, and it's still a hair too early to be too concerned about that. I'll start worrying about games back at the All-Star break. Royals have to be within five at the All-Star break, and they're still well within there right now with lots of games head-to-head against Cleveland. The, the, The thing that concerns you with Cleveland is they lose Michael Brantley, and their offense is very questionable, and you have to think to yourself, okay, Cleveland... You know, their offense won't score, and they they can't keep this up, right? Well, the problem is they can because their starting pitching might be the best 1-5 to in the American League. And you could argue that pretty much every starter in the Cleveland rotation is better than any starter in the Royals rotation. You could make that argument. I'm not saying it's true, but you could argue that and not be laughed out of the room. So Cleveland, the the thing is, adding a bat, a cheap bat, is going to be a lot easier than adding a starting pitcher. So what Cleveland needs to add is the opposite of what the Royals need, and it's going to be much more attainable for Cleveland, who's going to be more apt to go all in as well and make a big splash than the Royals are. The Royals had the hardware, and they had to kind of disseminate the very high-end parts of their minor league system, some of the major key pitching parts last year. So the Royals aren't doing that again. So, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little bit nervous about Cleveland. The Royals can't let them get too far ahead. With that said, again, it's, it, I'm not too concerned about four games back in the last you know week, but during the last week of June here. It's still plenty of time. The Royals need to just take care of themselves and keep winning series. Get two out of three, and they'll try to do that. The other problem, by the way, is if you start at some point, if you, if Cleveland gets eight, nine, ten games ahead, you almost have to concede the division. That, that's that's a month away, guys. I'm saying if you're eight back in a month, you can pretty much concede the division, but. Even then, the Royals would still be in the hunt for the wild card. The problem, though, is you're, you know, it's a jumbled mess for the wild card. It's going to be tough for the Royals to beat those teams. The Royals have a much better chance of winning the division than getting a wild card. Nor do you want that wild card. But, for example, Houston, all of a sudden, is only two games back of the Royals now. They're 38-36. and 36. Just about a month ago, they were buried. So, it's just, you got to start winning games. So, let's get these next two games. Let's get to them right now. Mike Fires, Chris Young. 
Recent history will tell you the Royals are in big trouble against Mike Fires. Not because he's an especially good pitcher, because he's not. But over his last four, he's 2-0 and with a 2-6-3 ERA. Fires comes off of a start against Cincinnati. No runs on four hits and five and two-thirds. He's not going to miss bats. He's going to strike out. If he goes six innings, he'll strike out four, maybe three. In this park, I like to match up a lot for the Royals. I think they'll be able to hit him. And Chris Young comes off of, by far, his best start of the year against Detroit. Six innings, one run, seven Ks. The Royals need something similar. But you know what? Five-plus innings of three-run ball should get it done tomorrow night with your main guys in the bullpen rested. You go five-plus, keep your team in the game giving up three runs. I think the Royals could push across three, four runs off of Mike Fires and get the job done. Houston also has a very leaky back end of the bullpen. It's been a big, you know, big problem for them this year. I like the Royals to get it done tomorrow. I do. Now, Doug Fister, if you want to talk about recent history, yikes. He's a one away from tying the Houston Astro for consecutive wins by his team when he starts. He's 8-3 with a 3-2-1 against Ian Kennedy, who's 5-6, a 4-1-9. So Fister, seven consecutive decisions, one in a row. Since May 1st, he has a 2.38 ERA, does Fister. And yes, the Astros have won 10 straight games started by Fister. That's one shy of the team record. So if they win on Sunday, he'll tie the team record. And I'm not saying he's won 11 games in a row. I'm saying that his team, when he pitches, has won 10 starts in a row when he pitches on those games as a team. Kennedy comes off two runs over four innings against the Mets on Tuesday night, the game where he was struggling and got taken out early for Kendrys, the pinch head who missed the three-run homer by like a foot, such as life. Kennedy, one good thing, 5-4-4 on the road and 2-3-0 at home when you're talking... E-R-A. Toss-up game to me on Sunday. I think the Royals get to tomorrow, and it's just a complete toss-up. Can the bullpen be in good shape Sunday? That'll be a big deal. If the Royals can have their bullpen and not shambles, you know, I like it. And you know what? I'm going to make a bold prediction. I I made two bold predictions before the game tonight. One of them has already been eliminated. I said the Royals would sweep. Wrong. And I said Colby Rasmus would hit three home runs in the series, and he will. He hit one tonight. In his first at back, got the long single where he missed a home run by like five feet. So Colby will go yard again two more times in this series. That's Those are my big, bold predictions. But I'm going to make another one. I'm going to go out on a limb again here. Alex Gordon will go yard tomorrow night, his first game back off the DL. Write it down. Gordon goes yard off of fires. Royals get the win tomorrow night. We'll say five to three. Five to three Royals. I will be hanging out with my good friend Robert Ford, who is the play-by-play voice of the Houston Astros after the game tomorrow night late into the evening, so we will be back with you again on Sunday. Back with you on Sunday with a dish. By the way, earlier today, did uh, do a, uh, a good interview that I hope you've heard with Ryan O'Hearn, who will be a top 10 Royals midseason prospect, but I believe it was number 11 by MILB.com coming into the year, but a guy who's tearing the cover off the ball remarkably consistently between High A Wilmington and now up to Double A Northwest Arkansas. So the interview with Ryan O'Hearn, make sure you check that out. It was published earlier today in case you missed it, and we'll talk to you again Sunday on Clubhouse Conversation. Have a great night. Go Royals!